Hello and welcome to Women of the Middle East podcast. Women of the Middle East. Uh, Hannah, um, when we speak about peace, human rights, uh, women's rights, um, Hannah is a person who belongs to two different worlds, the European world, but also who has a foot in our part of the world. Tell us first why. Why did this happen and what's your interest in advising um, governments, um, uh, enacting policies that has to do or that have to do with women in our parts of the world? Tell us a bit about that. Well, I mean, I have not always been a politician. Um, I had a life before that um, and I was a researcher in peace and conflict. So I traveled and worked in a number of, of conflict regions, including in the Middle East. Um, trying to find ways on how you can make this place a bit more peaceful. And one thing I found out and in both cultures, in my own, but also in the Middle East, is that whenever we talk about hard security, whenever we talk about peace negotiations, women are largely absent from the decision-making tables, while it's women that suffer most from I mean, from war, women that suffer most from escalation, women that suffer more from a scarcity of resources. And I just thought, first of all, that's totally unfair. But I also understood more and more how limited the, the results of these kind of negotiation talks are if they do not include the perspectives of women. And I'm not saying the perspectives of women are more valuable than those of men. I think every perspective has a right to be represented, but it's the perspective of women that is more absent those of women of men. And that's why I started to work on this issue. And um, I mean, first of all, it keep, kind of keeps me busy in the Middle East because apparently that's a region that has a number of conflicts, but also a region that has grown very close to my heart, a region where we have so many strong and amazing and outspoken and articulate women, but that are so excluded from this political and public debate. Also, yeah, because they have these stereotypes that um, Middle Eastern women, uh, well, are not political or they would not be outspoken, which is totally wrong, as you can see with you, Amal, but there are 100 Amals all over the place. And I just want to make sure that. Mm, not to be your voice, but to make sure that people listen to your voices. Amazing, and this actually um, uh, talk, yeah, this taps into a whole body of stereotyping and, and reductionist um, attitudes towards women in the Middle East that unfortunately have resonated and have a long history um, and been circulated and entrenched in the popular mind of, of the, the Europeans. How? Did your work in the Arab world change those perceptions? First of all, for you, uh, what what shook you the most? Uh, was it our similarities or differences? And how how do you become a voice, our voice to the West, where um, you would basically speak about their, those stereotypes and try to debunk them? I mean. First of all, I grew up with these stereotypes, with these stereotypes. I mean, first of all, uh, someone wearing like an abaya and a hijab and you can only see the face is a terrorist kind of thing. 
um, with these stereotypes that all, all all these women are somehow uh, not very educated, would not be very outspoken, would not care about politics. Um, I grew up in a very small conservative village in Germany. Um, and the first time I was in Berlin and I was exposed to women from the Arab world who lived there and who would wear this traditional clothing, I was, I was staring at them. <laughs> Um, but I realized, well, it's also my stereotypes. It's, it's not them. It's my stereotypes that also keep me from having, let's say, an open discussion, for example, from knowing more about them, why they wear these dresses, but also what their lives are like. Um, how maybe they really stand up and fight for women's rights. Just I'm not aware of it because I would never think about it. Um, and that was quite a lesson to me. Um, so when I, I traveled more to the Middle East and, um, I was always very curious to to meet women there in politics in the public space. One, to understand um, what their struggles are. I mean, we as women have struggles in politics. I get all this hate bullshit and this young lady bullshit. Um, so it's not that we wouldn't share the same struggles, but sometimes they also have different struggles and I just wanted to learn about them and then see how I can make sure that they're their reach widens, their platform widens, and how I can just be an ally in that. And also, to, I mean, we women in Germany and the European Union, we have different political positions on a number of issues. But I really think when it comes to claiming our role in politics, we have to walk that way together and we can separate and have fights after that. And it's a bit the same. I mean, we may disagree on a number of things and women in the Arab world surely disagree on a hundred of things but when it comes to the role of women in politics and the public sphere that's a fight that is still very long and that we, we should fight together and and it's it's that approach and by having that approach I learned so I mean so incredibly many things also about how similar the fights are for for women on the Arabian Peninsula, for example, to be elected in, in Shura councils in parliaments, to to claim their spots in these debates um, where many of the people they work with just think, well, women shouldn't have a role in that and how, how they still manage to do it. And, and, and often I find it very encouraging and but then also on the other side, how some of the stereotypes that um, officials from, from, from European countries have make their lives more difficult. I, I know, for example, a young woman from UAE, she was asked to represent her country as ambassador in an EU member state. And then that EU member state said, well, I mean, are you disregarding us because you send a young hijabi woman to us? And I'm just like, whoa, what's wrong here? Um, and, and these things are, are are still happening. So I can talk. Or, or on the other side, I had the discussion: Why does the European Union um, not have one its of its delegations in the Arabian Peninsula headed by a woman? Uh, and it, it doesn't ownership, but clearly, um, in there are people who would say, yeah, but well, would that woman be represented? Would that woman be respected? I'm like, but that's your stereotype. And I, I made a totally different experience. Um, so just using the little power I have to confront stereotypes on both sides and by that widen 
the the widen the importance and the the gravity of of the role and the responsibility of women in, in both areas. That's a bit what I'm trying to do. And you're do, doing an amazing job. I think we need you as an ally. Uh, and only women would be able to bring uh, cultures together. And you know, I believe in transnational feminism, and I believe that you and I have more similarities than differences. And the differences are uniqueness that we can, you know, negotiate and mitigate. Um, my last question: What impedes gender equality in the areas you've been exposed to? I know that you've recently been to Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, what what do you think impedes gender equality in our parts of the world? I I could speak a lot about what impedes gender equality in my part of the world because that's what I'm exposed to and what I know a lot about. Um, I mean, I can try to tell from my experience what I think impedes gender equality on your side of the world, but then you are more the expert than me, actually. <laughs> so it feels a bit awkward. Um, I mean, one one thing, and maybe I, I find that increasingly to be core of the debate, and Afghanistan and the Taliban is just another case in point, is, is this religious argument. Like, it's, it, it's, it's in our religious traditions, and I, I really don't, I mean, I'm, I'm not a Quran expert, but I do not read it that way. And if I look at the biggest Islamic country that exists on this world, it's Indonesia. I mean, that country is headed by a prime minister, a female one, and she doesn't do bad. And we see even in some of the core countries on the Arabian Peninsula, like Saudi Arabia, they are having a women quota and they're a sure council man. Um, we see in UAE how they're having even a 50% women quota, and these women are doing good. I mean, some of them are not doing good, but there are also a lot of men who are not doing good. So I really don't think that's an argument, right? Um, so I really think we need to talk about what comes from religion um, and what comes from, let's say, toxic cultural practices, um, which I would say is what sadly we see with the Taliban again in Afghanistan, for example but what we see with other groups. And um, I, I really don't think that anyone who is a true believer in Islam should allow them to misuse religion in that way. But it's it's nothing where, where we have a role or we should have a role. I think that's a discussion that people from the different Arab and Islamic countries should, should have these discussions amongst themselves. And I actually have high trust if you start this discussion. It's going to be constructive because I meet so many people who are sick and tired of this and so many people who are proud of the role that um, women continue to play. There's just one little thing. Really, I, 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 I'm so happy to see the representation of women in academia. I'm so happy to see the representation of women in economies. I'm so happy to see the representation of women in charity. But I really think it should become equally normal to see them in politics with equally strong positions. I totally agree with you. Hannah, thank you so much. Um, this was a lovely cup of coffee. <laughs> and a lot it, to thank you. Thank you so much.